This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, we tend to glamorize Hollywood North and the film industry here in BC. We take a lot of pride in it, right? But there are actually a lot of stories that are troubling about it. Take, for instance, the animation industry. It's a firm of Vancouver animators who worked on a very well-known animated film, and they've won a very big case at the Employment Standards Branch, and it all has to do with being paid overtime. Now, Elizabeth Reed is an employment and human rights lawyer at Bowton Law and joins us now to tell us more. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Now, tell me a bit about this case. What happened? Um, well, essentially, this was a case involving some um, some animators that were working on the, the Sausage Party film. Um, right. And they brought a case to the Employment Standards Branch, uh, alleging that they should not be considered high-technology professionals under the Employment Standards Act. And what does that mean? Like, what was the difference between being classified as that and not being classified as that? So essentially, if you're a high technology professional uh, professional under the Act, then you don't qualify for certain some of the protections under the Act, um, and specifically, you don't qualify for the protections around uh, hours of work and overtime. Uh, so basically, in sort of layman's terms, you wouldn't be entitled to overtime pay if you're a high pro- high professional uh, high technology professional. Okay, so then now they're entitled to overtime. Like, what kind of hours are we talking about here? Well, I wasn't personally involved with the case, um, so I, I, I don't know uh, what was going on specifically. They, they didn't um, talk about that in the determination, um, but uh, presumably they've uh, gone through and done a full uh, kind of record uh, because they, they just came up with a, an amount at the end of the day. Right. Do you think this is a broader problem, though, Elizabeth, that companies are like, getting paid overtime for people? Well, I think the, um, the challenge... Uh, right now is that I think we talk about rights to overtime in sort of broad swaths um, and when this kind of legislation came into effect in 1999, at that time they used to base the right to overtime uh, in this section on your job title uh, and interestingly in that at that time period, a computer animator was actually a job that was explicitly included, um, but a few years later they changed that that piece of the legislation, so now it's a functional definition. And it's based on your job duties rather than just your title. Uh, and where that can be challenging for people is, you know, it requires a very technical analysis of exactly what kinds of jobs these people are doing, um, what proportion of their jobs uh, are in those particular roles, um, and it just gets a little bit more complicated. Um, yeah. I'm thinking people would be a little bit surprised to find out, though, that, like, depending on your job title... It, it will depend on whether or not you can claim for overtime. Um, well, I think um, that's, that's not uncommon. Um, there are just certain jobs, sort of certain jobs that we expect that people will not be entitled to overtime. Um, so, for example, managers generally are not entitled to overtime. Uh, people in professions, um, you know, lawyers took themselves out of overtime uh, a number of years ago. Right. Uh, doctors are not entitled to overtime. Um, essentially, there are just certain kind of jobs and professions that as a society we recognize that either those people kind of have the skill set to negotiate you know over time or rights for themselves um or their job is just such that it wouldn't make sense for them to be entitled to overtime 
Right. So if people are thinking of going into this career, and I know a lot of people are, right? This is a very popular choice. What do they need yes. to know about how they figure out what their rights are? Well, I think if you're coming from the employee perspective, um, there are some really good resources out there to help. Um, the Employment Standards Branch uh, has interpretation guidelines online, uh, and they go through the act in, in plain language. Um, so that's uh, something that's, that can be really helpful for employees. Um, and I think the kind of key takeaway for them is to just not assume that what's happening is necessarily okay. Is that generally what happens, though, in a lot of these cases? that They figure, oh, well, the boss must know what they're doing. I'm not entitled to this. I think there can be those assumptions, for sure. Um, and if you see everybody else just going along with it, you might just assume, well, maybe I don't have any rights here. Uh, so I think that's where education and, and knowledge is really powerful. Right. What's the, where's the best place for people to go, then, to get more information, Elizabeth? Um, I think uh, if you go to the Employment Standards Branch website, that's uh, got these excellent interpretation guidelines. That's a great place to start. Um, the only kind of caveat I would say is that that, that uh, the branch only deals with employment standards rights. It doesn't deal with collective agreements um, right. for people who are in unionized environments, and it doesn't uh, deal with the common law. Um, so you can also check with, uh, if you're a union uh, representative, uh, rep- represented by a union, you can check with your shop steward. Um, or you can go see a lawyer. Um, that's something that certainly that we help with, uh, help people with as well. Absolutely. Know your rights on that one. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. That is Elizabeth Reed, Employment and Human Rights Lawyer at Bouton Law in Vancouver.